0: I mean, Joe, teams have to stop trying to fight Michigan in the tunnel during halftime. Just don't do it. All you're going to do is make them angry, and they're going to pound you in the second half. Well, just remember, five comes before the front. To build on my opening statement, Joe, this is the, Michigan is a second-half team, and there's been a few instances, and this goes for last year's team too, where um, they make a couple of mistakes in the first uh, half, <clears throat> and the game will be close. And Michigan will, if you look at the stats, be outgaining their opponents, um, just have like way better numbers than the other team. And even in the Ohio State game, um, which was – 14, 13 and a half? Yep. Yeah, like um, I kind of felt like Michigan should have had a bigger lead. Yeah. Um, and I certainly felt like that on Saturday. Actually, Saturday might have been one of the biggest instances of it um, because Penn <laughs> State barely had the ball. They had a lot of three and outs uh, when they did score. It was a really quick drive, and Michigan yeah. was just like methodically driving down the field. A lot of short passes, running the ball, and it was 16-14. Yeah, it was the settling for field goals. Yes, um, and and it's not always that. Actually, last year, they had a really good red zone offense, Yeah, um, and if you could poke holes in their performance on Saturday, that would be one, especially in the first half. Um, but real quick, before I totally give all my reactions and recap the game, uh, I just want to throw some numbers out there. Dating back to 1980, there's been six Michigan teams to start 7-0. and um, And actually, I think if you go back 45 years, that's true. Uh, the 86, 97, 06, 16, 21, and 22 uh, years, they all did. And Harbaugh has coached three of those teams and was the starting quarterback for the other one. Um, not even the late '80s, early '90s teams did that, which kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were the teams that I kind of was my introduction to Michigan football. I believe I started watching in '90, and the first season I really vividly remember was '92. But of course, all my my dads, my uncles, all talked about the late '80s teams, yeah. And that was a big time for uh, uh, Michigan because they went to five stri- they won five straight Big Ten titles and went to four Rose Bowls. But none of them started 7-0, because it's really hard. One of those teams was undefeated through uh, seven games, but they had a tie. By the way, I'm so glad college football doesn't have that anymore. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I might not be the biggest fan of the overtime rules, but that's definitely preferable. And this year's team and last year's team are the first teams to start 7-0 and back-to-back since the 73 and 74 teams, which me and you and everyone listening, we all remember those teams. But... I I'm gonna be really disappointed if uh, Blake Corum is invited to New York because if Kenneth Walker did not get invited, Corum doesn't get invited. That's the rule. Uh, no, that's the rule. Well, I mean, he doesn't have to compete with Aiden Hutchinson. So, yeah, Lions made a mistake. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean Aiden Hutchinson's too good for the Lions. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, I I think uh two people from the big 10 that will be heavily considered as stroud and quorum and they both might get invites but whoever wins that game probably could. yeah but the biggest hindrance to quorum is probably the uh the, the fact that he's backed up by uh Davin edwards he's doing his own work actually probably put up he actually put up slightly better numbers on saturday did. though both of them were pretty amazing um Going into the game, one of the reasons I thought it would be closer is I actually thought as good as Michigan's offensive line is, I really like the front seven of Penn State. Um, And watching the game, um, I can't necessarily – I I will criticize the linebackers for some of their coverage on short passes. Yeah. Um, Though they were prepared for a lot of Michigan's – Tendencies. I will give them credit for that, but there was times that they were lined up in the right position and they just were allowing these little dink and dunks. But um, uh, the offensive line just overpowered them, and that's one. And they made uh, Edwards and Corum's jobs a lot easier. <clears throat> I've heard some people say like this offensive line might even be better than last year's offensive line, which won the award for best uh, offensive line in the country. And it's kind of hard not to say that. There's times earlier in the season I thought they could have looked better, but they've had so many guys miss a game here or there that it's like – It's hard to tell sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think there was a couple instances. It's like, should Yukon UConn really be getting three hurries? Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of nitpicky because we all know UConn is just like in total rebuild mode and one probably one of the ten worst teams in college football. And I think I told you I was – I was wondering if they were getting a little bored and (laughs) taking plays off. Um, I I do like in the post-game interview how Edwards and uh, Corum are totally embracing the lightning and lightning monikers. Yeah. Uh, Because they both are. They're both speed backs, and especially Edwards is amazing catching out of the backfield, and Corum's not bad at that either. Yeah. Uh, I I think um, going forward, um, if I had to say, like, what I think might cause Michigan to lose a game is I would like a power back back there. Um, Just, I mean, I'm not going to get totally into it, but in two weeks, one thing I think Michigan might struggle to do against Michigan State is run it up the middle because the only part of their defense I really would say I love is their defensive tackles.
1: Yeah. But – Well, I mean, if really, if you – if, if State doesn't have healthy defensive ends, which I don't know if they will, like they were down to their third string DNs on Saturday, and that's where Wisconsin got most of their yardage was popping it out to the outside, running to the edge. So that's that's an easy way to fix that. Just, yeah, don't, yeah. just don't run it up the middle. Yeah, yeah. Like just,
0: just go to the edges. Well, you try telling Harbaugh all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not that I don't think Michigan's interior linemen are, are good. Uh, but it's just, like, why? Yeah. Um, I, I would only do it a few times to keep uh, the play calling honest. Yeah, like there have been some times where, like, a run to the outside didn't work,
1: like that play against Indiana. Well, it shouldn't have worked, but Corum just made some magic happen and got away from, like, three or four guys on that. It was, like, a 50-yard run in the first half against Indiana.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's also times I've seen Edwards and uh, Corum not really have to do much except run straight and maybe a couple turns because the offensive line is creating such big holes. Yeah. Yeah. I I wrote right down here, these position groups led Michigan to 418 rushing yards because I do think it's all both the running backs and the offensive line like working together. Um, They both make each other's jobs easier, make each other look good. And um, the fact that they went out and got the center from Virginia, who I'm not going to butcher his name. I think
1: it's Oluwatimi or something. Yeah. uh,
0: He is just – he is a fantastic player. Yeah. That was a good get. Yeah. And it's – even if you have recruited that position well, you don't know if the next man up is going to be as good. Yeah. Yeah. and one of the reasons I did think Michigan wasn't going to necessarily put up four hundred eight, 418 rushing yards is because Penn State had only given up 398 all year before this. Yeah, they were averaging uh, under 100 per game. Yeah. allowing. And even if you – I mean, I kind of feel like they were ranked number 10 because of their schedule. Yeah, um, they had to go on – they opened on the road at Purdue, and then, like, even though
1: Auburn's not good,
0: it's they so still road. went down
1: south and beat – a team look. and auburn isn't
0: good. No, <laughs> Auburn's pretty good they had one of their best performances on saturday and i think they lost the old miss only by 14 yeah like exactly. that's where auburn <laughs> is uh most years though that would be a really impressive win and i do think the purdue win is good but we, we were talking off air should they have lost that game yeah what were the circumstances again i think it was uh just bad play calling by Jeff Brom and company. Mm, okay, in, in crunch time, it wasn't in the Indiana Illinois game where Indiana like technically should have lost if the refs did their job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if Michigan was going to Purdue, I would say, hey guys, they're the spoiler makers this year. This isn't right. this isn't some of the Purdue's like uh, who, who was their coach that just did a lousy job there. You got to be more. <laughs> <laughs> um, from like what? 2010 to what 2019 they were pretty awful. Would do I have those years right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, now Michigan was I would say was sloppily dominant in the first half, if that makes sense, where they had lots of yards four red zone trips, but three of them they had to get field goals, so they have 16 points. Um, I don't think they needed a the punt, they might have had one, but um. When One of the times they didn't score, it was a bad throw by J.J. McCarthy, just bad decision-making. to pick six. They're forcing all these three and outs for Penn State, who barely even had the ball in the first half because of that. But the one time Penn State does score, they get a seven. Um, yeah. So then it's 16-14. But if you look at the stats, you're like, what in the what? Yeah, why is it 16-14? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, by the way, Penn State. I really hope they appreciate their, uh, quarterback who I'm blanking for Clifford. Clifford, Sean Clifford. Who's been there since, um, I think the Obama administration, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there was a time where I think some people didn't think he was all bad or maybe overrated, Yeah, but it, he, if the, if you threw a different quarterback out there, uh, there would have been a lot more sacks on Saturday. It's like, um,
1: Shay Patterson, you know, like not bad but definitely not what you might have expected, but definitely better than, like, you know, the first year post-Shea Patterson, you got bad quarterback play.
0: Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, who's who's going to be good, McCaffrey or um, Milton? Milton, and then it's like, oh, neither of them. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, also- but I will say this for Sean Clifford is I think he's improved where I thought Shea Patterson's second year, 19, he was actually worse than two thousand. He like regressed, and he never seemed to want to run the ball. And he was also terrible in the not XFL. What was what was the USFL? US the new USFL. He was absolutely yep. terrible. Um, but uh, but yeah, of course, Penn State, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, they end up running their mouths, and while Penn State didn't lay a Goose egg, second half goose egg, like Indiana did the week before, and I can talk about that game a little bit too. Um, All they could uh, manage was a field goal, a very sad field goal, the James Franklin, you know, (laughs) sad field goal, like from 2016. Uh, And speaking of that, I wish I had the stats up, but uh, someone threw something out there um, that Penn State has only lost by X amount of points under James Franklin like 10 times. Yeah, and like five of them have been against Michigan because against in recent years, um, this game has kind of gotten back to be somewhat close. But for a while, it was like whoever won just blew out the other team.
1: Right, I might be able to find the exact day.
0: numbers, um, and it also made me realize: well, James Franklin definitely hasn't like killed it at Penn State. He's not bad. Yeah, he somehow gets a pass though. I think maybe I don't know why. I I actually don't think he has a very likable personality. There there were
1: really only two seasons where you could inarguably say like yes, Penn State is a top two Big Ten team. That was sixteen and seventeen. Yeah. Um, well, done. but they've been they've been solid in other years. Yeah, twenty nineteen they were pretty good, but they who did they lose to in twenty nineteen? I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, so the stat was. Uh, in the last seven years, Penn State's most lopsided losses were 2016, which was 39 points at Michigan, uh, 2018, which was a 35 point loss at Michigan, and then 2022, which was a 24 point loss at Michigan. And uh, in all the other games, Penn State is 58 and 20, and only five other losses have been by 10 or more points. Wow. Wait. MSU beat them. 55 to 17 to 16.
0: This guy might be full of shit. Hold on. Let me do some math real quick. Well, wait. Can you repeat what he said? Yeah. Maybe he's not. If he Maybe do the second half. like uh, In the last seven years. Oh, so maybe that's including this year. So, 2015
1: doesn't reach that. So, never mind. Um, but, yeah, 39 points, 35 points,
0: and then 24 points. And, then, I mean, they were lucky it wasn't 39 points. Yeah. In 2015, State beat them by... Almost forty. So, and I also kind of view James Franklin's um, tenure at Penn State kind of like John Beeline's at uh, uh, Michigan, where you kind of need to give him two years to really get going. Maybe even Mel Tucker at Michigan State, you kind of like the first year is a pass because yeah. of everything going on with the program. Um, and you, you and I were. I, we might have said on air, too, but we were talking about yeah, off air about how, like, all, everything that was going on at Penn State, like, his first two years being seven and six, you couldn't really hold against them. Right, because of all the scholarship limitations that they were going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was actually affected probably by it more than even Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any criticisms I have um, uh, before the game... I, I was kind of talking to a few people off air about like where I thought the program was at. I even had a friend who uh, is all about the Green Bay Packers and could care less about college football except when it comes draft time. Yeah. Asking me like what I thought if Michigan would beat Ohio State this year. And I was um, my main two criticism was uh, the linebackers. And while I was watching live, I haven't watched this game again, which sometimes I will do for the podcast. Uh, I didn't really notice them, and that's usually a good thing. Yeah. I definitely didn't notice them making mistakes, which is a good sign. And then Joe Klatt had a really good criticism that I agree with um, that Michigan's passing attack needs to be more dynamic. And while I didn't dislike the game plan um, in this game because I thought it worked for the most part and they were able to run, so why not just keep doing that if you're able to do that? Because yeah. I also think Penn State just has really good athletes back there. Um, I did dislike it against Indiana and Maryland. Like yeah. I definitely thought they could Like have... good,
1: good passing attacks can move the ball on Michigan. That's what it seems like. Even though they have a good
0: secondary, mm-hmm. which yeah. happens. Um, Joe Klein has actually spent so much time around the Michigan program this year that I'm sure he even has a opinion about backroom pizza. Because <laughs> Big Noon, Cal, uh, Big Noon Saturday has been at Ann Arbor a lot, and then they've even gone on the road with Michigan. Yeah, like, I think what four or five times this year. Um, I'm just... I think Saturday was their fourth straight time having the Michigan game. Yeah, it just feels like that's. Big noon saturday.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I and I saw a tweet that said uh going from Joe Clack calling out every tendency in the Penn State Michigan game in real time to Gary Danielson having no idea who's on the field or what routes are being run is certainly jarring. And I agree 100% <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, especially not that I don't not that I have a problem watching the SEC, but until this year like CBS only show the SEC yeah but now that they've mixed it up and they're showing other conferences on cbs i watch it even more and i know gary Daniel- danielson wasn't he like a lion's legend or something uh, i don't think, I think he exists <laughs> <laughs> well i think he's so old he goes back to the,
1: to the good old the days. 50s yeah <laughs>
0: um he, he I, i'm pretty sure he's a local boy but he's way before my time but uh, like he needs to give it up he like yeah I, Some, I don't sometimes it's just time it is and i think for him it is and uh mm-hmm. I know his uh, play-by-play guy was uh, Vern Lundquist, who will forever be a legend in my brain because he uh, was in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> right. And actually, uh, he was in one of my favorite NBA uh, video games for uh, PS2, but at the moment I can't think of what it was. Yeah. But um, When I hear Vern Lundquist, I think of, like, March Madness. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, he was with that, that too. I, yeah, Working for CBS, one. Yep. Yeah. Uh that makes sense. But, uh, I mean, as a Michigan fan, like, the just the way they absolutely dominated Penn State was like so pleasing. Kind of it, it it means that certain things are attainable this year, and yeah. and it pretty much like that's how I felt coming into the season. It was nice to like see it on the field. Yeah, I kind of affirm that.
1: How many times did James Franklin tweet Michigan though?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, if he
1: would go into that. He would just be like Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Michigan, Michigan. Michigan. It
0: was like. What the hell's wrong with that? Did he do it this week?
1: I or last week, I, I guess. got.
0: I don't really follow him on Twitter, uh, but I didn't see anything talking it about it. It always made actually. its way into my feed. Um, I've actually probably been on social media uh, 400% more in the last two weeks than I uh, had been previously. And I say that, and I still have been off it so much, yeah. especially during games. I actually have been on it during games a little bit the last couple weeks. But, like... Just my, it's just something I'm doing for my own mental health, and, yeah. it, and I have to say it's been fabulous. Yeah,
1: social media, especially
0: <laughs> on Twitter, um, it's just poison. Everyone feeds off each other too, especially for sports and freaking out. Um, I, I probably, I knew Michigan was gonna beat Indiana, but uh, yeah, yeah Indiana's team. bad. They couldn't. They they were getting their quarterback. Actually, I mean. The scariest thing from the Indiana game was, like, Mike Hart. And if we would have recorded last week, like, that would have been, like, the first thing I talked about. Yeah. um, And I'm glad he's okay. The idea of a seizure is just... That's so scary. And then it immediately affected, like, Quorum's and Edwards' play. And, yeah, and then Indiana started to get some momentum. But then I think being able to regroup at halftime and everyone come together, kind of talk about it. I don't know what happened in that locker room, but I'm imagine it's that. And then just come out yeah. and absolutely destroy Indiana. Indiana didn't score in the second half. And their quarterback, you have to give them credit. In the first half, he was throwing the ball right before he got hit, right before he yeah. got hurried. Indiana's offensive line cannot stop Michigan, but by the second half, Michigan was starting to get to them too, and then they went on and scored a bunch. Um, You definitely want to see, though, uh, when you play a team like Indiana, and this goes for Michigan in all games, um, if you want to win big games, you can't leave any meat on the bone, and that's something I would say too. Um, Most college teams – do a little bit just because they're such young kids. Yeah, um, that you do get some wiggle room for mistakes, but um, you play a half like that against a good team, then you're gonna be making up points. And uh, like like I said, I I really hope going forward that um Michigan has an offensive line like this after this, and they have running backs. Um, they have recruited those positions well, but it just seems like. It's Har- never, always, it's
1: never like a guaranteed thing,
0: right? And we've seen Harbaugh with these guys. I mean, this was a guy that after the COVID year, I wanted fired, and yeah. since then he's gone nineteen and two. To be fair, like that wasn't
1: a wrong thing, like to to want at the time, like things weren't trending in the right
0: direction. No, and kudos to him because I wasn't told. I've probably only agreed with half of his assistant's decisions after that, mm-hmm. like who he hired. And it's been all, like, they've all worked out. Like, his staff, this staff is the best staff he's had. Um, and going young, like, really worked for him. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so, it was such a smart decision to get Jesse Mentor to replace mike mcdonald because they run the same system yeah so instead of you don't having, want to like have a, an overhaul for the second year in a row right another year one the all the defensive players say this feels like year two and look at the running back since mike hart got here like that's been that's been yeah i mean you have hassan haskins you have um Cor- blake quorum Cor- sorry excuse sorry. me I, and then you have uh, donovan edwards and then uh, you had such a crowded running back room with so much talent that Zach Charbonnet was worried about playing time, and he's killing it over in UCLA, and they're undefeated in a top-10 team. UCLA is? Yeah, they're undefeated huh. in a top-10 team. All, All I know about them is nobody goes to their games. <laughs> <laughs> they are such a basketball school. Yeah. And USC is the other way around where they struggle to have people go to their basketball games when they're really good. Yeah, oh,
1: number number, Yeah. Huh.
0: Let me uh, they're number nine, hosting Oregon. That'll be a big game. I believe game day is gonna be there. Oh, it will be early then, because game day comes on at 9 a.m. our time. Yeah. Yep. They just beat uh. Well, that's two weeks ago, and I know they won. Yeah, they have to be like seven and zero. Google is not making this easy. <laughs> just show me their record. Okay. Well, they were five and zero there. Six to zero after beating Utah, yeah, and they played some decent teams. Washington's not bad, and Utah's good, but they both had to come there. And that 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 matchup against USC is going to be a big one too. USC only has one loss. Um, but uh, do we want to record a podcast? Looking forward to Michigan State, or can I talk about it a little bit now? Or yeah, you, you, going, you, can, you can go ahead. Yeah, I'm actually glad that uh, Michigan State uh beat Wisconsin because <laughs> I don't I don't like the idea of Michigan hearing how good they are. For two weeks, coming in this game, right, so they have to hear about how good Michigan State is. (laughs) Yeah, they they were like, "Hey, Wisconsin, you're not you're not leaving here with a winning record. You're going to be three and four, just like us." Right. (laughs) But I don't know. I I mean, there was two ways. If they would have lost that game, two ways Michigan State would have gone. Either one, they just you start seeing people give up on the season. Yeah. But there's also teams that get really hungry after that, especially going in a rivalry game. You know, it's yeah. hard not to get pumped up for a rivalry game. But, yeah, we have two weeks for that. It's always on Halloween weekend now, which keeps things weird. It's always right before my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, if uh my team loses, it's just like, oh, yeah, what a fun birthday. When I'm <laughs> getting old, so it's not even as much fun. Some years I don't even get cake, which, oh, what a crock. Um... <laughs> this started out as such a happy segment for you. And now it's... <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, I want to see if there is a line out for the Michigan. Michigan. I think they wait until like the week of the game, right? Oh, maybe an official one. Yeah, maybe to have like an official Vegas one. Yeah, but let's see. Oh, this is just recapping the Spartans. No trends to report. Uh. All right. This is making for great radio. Oh oh oh! Is this it? No no, that's the basketball one. Nothing yet. I bet you there'll be one out tomorrow, though. Yeah, but you might be right because I don't know. Would they accept bets right now? I don't the know. Game is like, Two weeks away. I think it might be just like super rare for two teams to
1: have the same bye week before facing each other. So that this is like an unprecedented thing, but usually, like you start to see a line like once the two teams' previous game is over and they play, like, within a week. So maybe, maybe it's out there somewhere. But yeah.
0: For any betting experts, uh, email us, <laughs> us, let us know. They what... might want to see what the game time is, too, because yeah. some people bet a lot. Or... So MSU
1: is undefeated in night games at the Big House, so that's obviously going to play a factor if it's a night game. <laughs> How many have they played? The one. The
0: <laughs> one. <laughs> Well, the big house has only had, like, what, eight night games to this point or something? That sounds about right. They usually have once a year. Yeah. This would be the second one, though, this year if they had one. Right.
1: Well, Hawaii was more of, like, a (laughs) (laughs) scrimmage, But, but. They they put that one at night to try to get people to show up, and they made that
0: JJ's first game to try to get people to show up. (laughs) But would you really try to get people to show up and start the game at like 10 (laughs) o'clock? (laughs) Yeah. They didn't know there was going to be that that delay. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan and I didn't even finish the game. I (laughs) went to bed. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely record one where we dedicate it to a preview. I also think they should, uh, have teams, um, have a uh, bye weeks at the same time or often. I feel like yeah. it's, it's feasible was, in the NFL. Like I think if you're going to
1: keep having Thursday night football, then those teams that are playing on Thursday night need to have a bye week before playing on Thursday night. Cause the amount of injuries that happen on Thursday night football and honestly just bad football games that happen. Like it, first of all, we shouldn't have one every week cause it just kind of makes it less special. And like I said, more injuries, less good football, but you need to like work out the schedule so that the two teams have bye weeks. Before playing on Thursday night, but that's just that's just my uh, tangent for another day. But yeah, since since we have this unique situation where Michigan and State and Michigan, I can't even find those games anymore. Where do I
0: Venmo uh, Daily Motion Amazon like... Prime? <laughs> <laughs> I have that, and I've never watched a Thursday day football. Yeah, to this point, it hasn't been worth your time. No, <laughs> I heard the what was it? The Colts and the Broncos or someone? What yeah,
1: Colts and Broncos was nine to six or something. Or 12-9, which is, like, great because Russell Wilson can suck it. Um, and then, yeah, this past week was Washington and Chicago, which are just two bad offenses. That one might have been, like, 12-7 to seven or something. <laughs> I'm so glad we got Thursday <laughs> night football conversation going on here. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, we'll uh, get to Michigan State on the next segment. It is a great time to be a Michigan State Spartan right now. Michigan State hockey split a pair with a top 20 team this past weekend in Adam Nightingale's second series as head coach, and they have seen recruiting numbers just absolutely jump off the charts lately under their new head man. Tom Izzo has been on fire on the recruiting trail, securing the number, Well, depending on which site you look at, it's a top two or a top three class in the country with four studs coming in for the 24. 324 season and he will stop at nothing aside from using the transfer portal and cheating to get his second national title (laughs) and the michigan state football team has won a football game for the first time in a month so it's a great time to be alive (laughs) in he's lansing right now oh and also they sold out a volleyball game at the breslin center so that's something that happened as well uh yeah just jumping into it we we haven't recorded in a bit but Michigan State hosted Ohio State. Boy, was that a fun game. <laughs> uh, not much to talk about there. Like, I guess in a weird way, Michigan State actually made some progress in that game, <laughs> losing by just 29 to Ohio State. Versus 49. <laughs> and almost being tied at the end of the first quarter. But no, that one was pretty disappointing. Like, Just to give you a snapshot, the leading rusher of the game was Elijah Collins with nine yards. And uh, Michigan State scored three touchdowns, one of which was a pick six for Brantley, which was really nice because it was it tied the game at seven. And when I was watching it, like, I audibly gasped. I was like, what is, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> didn't know how to handle that. Luckily, I didn't have to watch the second half of that game. I was on my way to Detroit to see the Killers, which was much better than what the second half was. So Wisconsin comes into town with a similar record to Michigan State, a one-game difference. High off of uh, victory
0: over the mighty Northwestern Wildcats, 42-7. What did I tell you uh, the week before? I said that uh, Michigan State is the Wisconsin of the East, and Wisconsin is the Michigan State of the West. I suppose, yeah. So, And now they're both three and four.
1: Yeah, spoiler alerts. (laughs) No, I already said they won. (laughs) So, yeah, this was a game that Michigan State absolutely needed, especially if you sit down and just watch it. Watch the flow of the game, how this game progressed. If Michigan State had lost this game, it would have been an absolute backbreaker, ball buster, whatever you want to call it. Like on the last segment, you said you don't know if you would have preferred Michigan State to lose or to win. Oh, like, I'm happy they won. I, if I were a Michigan fan, like if State lost that game the way it happened, where it was a winnable game throughout, and they kind of like overcame some things and showed some mental toughness for the first time all year, if they had lost that, I think this team would be absolutely and I th- I think so. Uh, like you remember back in 2019, Michigan State they weren't super talented. That was like the Lowryke Raquan Williams team, Kenny Willikus. They started out okay. They had like a real disappointing, stupid ass loss to Arizona State, and then they won two games right after that, where they kind of out out muscled some Big Ten opponents. But then it was blowout loss to Ohio State, blowout loss to Wisconsin, blowout loss to Penn State, and then Illinois comes to town. Michigan State builds a 28-3 lead against Illinois, and this is the week before they play Michigan. And it looks like, okay, Michigan State's having a get-right game. They slowly, agonizingly lose that game to Illinois. They come out the next week against Michigan, and it's just an absolute bloodbath, 44-10, to because that team was absolutely broken. This team finished seven six. Yeah, but they yeah they they got to finish against Rutgers
0: and Maryland. Yeah, (laughs) before yeah. I kind of thought that because they had like what five game losing streak that year, four game losing streak. Yeah, but did you five game? Yeah, Yeah. Penn
1: State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, and Illinois plus. You add on top the the week three loss to Arizona State, so they they were six and six. They won their bowl game against Wake Forest. That was the
0: first year doing Paul Bunyan too. I I do think that team could have quit and finished like three and nine or something, but they didn't.
1: Well, they got they got four wins before the season got really bad. So yeah. That would, um. Well, I mean, they would they would have needed to try to lose to Rutgers that year. <laughs> <laughs> that was still uh the old D coordinator for Ohio State, uh, Chris Ash. Like, he wasn't – I think he had been fired by the time they played. But it was, like, when that Michigan State team beats you 28-0 or whatever it was, like, you're bad. Yeah, they played like Ash. Ash. (laughs) (laughs) So, getting into Saturday's game against Wisconsin. uh, And, honestly, going back to the end of the Minnesota game, like, once the Minnesota game ended, I haven't been too displeased with the defense – like, they held Maryland to 27 points at Maryland. That game was on Peyton Thorne in the offense. Uh, Ohio State, like, yeah, Ohio State made you look bad. What else is new? Like, they, there were a couple communication breakdowns against Ohio State. Like, the drive after the pick six on third and four, they were finally bringing a blitz for the first time all year, it seemed like. And uh, it wasn't Marvin Harrison. It was their other wide receiver, not Jackson Smith and Jake, but – but C.J. Stroud basically had a wide-open 70-yard touchdown pass because uh, there was this safety miscommunication. Is it the one that starts with a E, uh, a Buka or something? Yeah. yeah. He had like a 70- or 80-yard one. But the defense has been making subtle improvements, and it, it really showed against Wisconsin. Granted, I know I know it's Wisconsin. You don't have to tell me how bad this Wisconsin is. <laughs> but still, Graham Mertz, Finished with 131 yards. Like I thought, it was impossible for anybody to not get at least 250 against this Michigan State team, and they did get two sacks, three sacks, I mean, and a takeaway. Uh, offense, I, I have major issues with Jay Johnson's play calling. If if I'm going to advocate for one of the coordinators to get fired, honestly, it's not going to be Scotty Hazelton because I do believe the defense needs more, a lot more talent. I I don't necessarily like Scotty Hazelton. Or the four two five scheme, although they've been switching it up a little bit. I think Jay Johnson would be the one that has to go. His play calling has just been absolutely asinine. And I I think they actually do have the talent pretty much everywhere but offensive line on the offense. And a lot of it, a lot of my personal issues come down to who's being utilized and what play calls are happening. Cause Michigan State has two tight ends who will be playing in the NFL in Daniel Barker and Malik Carr. And every time they've been given chances, they have capitalized and looked like NFL tight ends. Somewhere Kirk parents just got chubby by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to sit out there and watch a former walk on punter get the majority snaps. And honestly, the first look at tight end and Tyler hunt and nothing against Tyler hunt. Like he was, he's fine. He can do the job, but not at the same level that Daniel Barker and Malik Carr can do it. And it pisses me the hell off. Uh, the way they drew up some plays, they had a good drive going on in the first half while they were down seven nothing where they get down to the one yard line. It's fourth and goal. They call a timeout and then they still do a, a running back, a, a run out of the shotgun, which was just completely asinine. And they called a timeout to call that play. Like that's what pisses me off too. It's like, <laughs> that's the play they drew up out of a called timeout just to get stuffed at the goal line. Now, thankfully, Jacoby Windman, who aside from Bryce Berenger is the team's MVP, he got a pick on that drive, which set up a 12 yard touchdown run for Jalen Berger, who had a nice revenge tour game against his old team. Um, I actually
0: thought about that too. Going yeah. into this game.
1: <laughs> I mean, he wasn't great. Like his, the highlight was that one run. Um, But just the amount of times that Michigan state runs it on first and 10 and then second and 10, and then all every single drive, it felt like there was a third and long and, you just it t- for for whatever reason it just takes too long for them to start opening up the playbook and throwing jump balls to Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed and like I said Daniel Barker or Trey Mosley and like surprise once they do that it works it was the same thing against Washington in week 3 like they took forever to open up the playbook when they absolutely needed to do it from the get and once they did open it up, they scored four touchdowns. Like, surprise, and Peyton Thorne threw for, like, three-something yards and four touchdowns in that game, or three touchdowns. And it it seemingly worked. Uh, the way they closed the first half on offense was absolutely unacceptable. They had a timeout. They had 30 seconds, and they ran a screen to Tyler Hunt, who falls down inbounds and the clock runs out. Like, the crowd was booing at halftime, even though it was a one-score game, and we were desperate for <laughs> – some excitement because that was just
0: an absolutely dumbass call to, to do at the at the end of the game. And at halftime too uh, according to ESPN uh Wisconsin has yeah. 74.1% right. uh chance of winning. It and was like you might as well have just knelt the
1: ball down there rather than throw a screen to your third best tight end. Honestly, fourth best if some of the freshmen got playing. Where was Michigan State? Uh I think they what well, yard line I mean? They might have started at the 30. I don't remember exactly. Um, And then the way they ended regulation too. Like they had two timeouts in their pocket. They were moving the ball downfield and then they go to a run play with less than 20 seconds left. Have to call a timeout. Surprise. They go back to the same run play, have to call a timeout. And now it's third and long. And they throw a a motion pass behind the sticks that loses yards. Now the clock's running. Now you got to throw out the Mayday field goal, which like, you don't have a good field goal unit as it is. Now you're running them out there on a mayday situation. And the we'll never know if Patton would have made it because uh, the, the snap got fumbled and Behringer ended up throwing a pick, which was the only turnover of the game, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't watching the game because I was in the car at that point, but I'm actually – because four games are going on, four, like – games that i have interest in and so my news feed but once that happened my twitter feed just went like off and i start seeing videos and yeah what the hell what just happened because at that point i just had it up. michigan state had a 72.4 percent chance to win before uh that third down play
1: yeah so game goes to overtime and it was beautiful like this was a this was a prime time mark d'antonio-esque call to open Overtime, Michigan State gets the ball to start. 25-yard touchdown pass from Jaden Reed to Keon Coleman. Absolutely beautiful. A couple plays later, Michigan State should have closed out the game. Mertz just floated one to the end zone. Two Spartans there, Angela Gross and Charles Brantley. Like Would have been sweet for Brantley to get a pick because he's been – like he got picked on against Ohio State, but he had a nice Saturday against Wisconsin. He got a sack. Didn't really get burned. It would have been nice for him to get the pick. Would have been nice for Gross to get the game-winning pick because he's been awful. Like he's definitely been uh, the target of some fan—not uh, hate, because like people haven't been going after him on Twitter or anything. But like for good reason, he's, he's been, been the brunt criticized. of a lot of our yeah, and for good reason. Like he's burnt toast every time. So it would have been nice for him to get a game-winning interception to like get in people's good graces. But they both drop it, and then Wisconsin scores on third and long two plays later. So we go to double overtime. Thankfully, with some guys coming back healthy, like Jacob Slade played for the first time since the Akron game. Xavier Henderson played for the first time since the opener. Um, so, that just due to some people being available again, Jacoby Winman was able to play at linebacker instead of defensive end. And that made a huge difference for him. He had an outstanding day 11 tackles, uh, tackle for loss, pass breakup, interception, forced fumble. The forced fumble happened on the first play of double overtime when, you know, Wisconsin had just tied up the game. So it's 28-28. He he forced the fumble on the first play. It's recovered. And, like, that was such a big thing because momentum plays such a big role in college football, especially a back-and-forth game like this one was. And then, you know, Peyton Thorne was able to find Jaden Reed for the touchdown. Jaden Reed just did a great job. He's got a touchdown catch in three straight games now which is really nice to see because he missed most of the Akron game, the whole Washington game. He was out there against Minnesota, but you could tell he wasn't really 100%. I mean, the whole team was pretty pretty ass that day.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't really matter what he was doing. Kind of like 2019 Rutgers. Exactly. Ash.
1: <laughs> so it was real good for him. I think he finished with like one, 117 and a touchdown. Coleman had uh, almost 80 yards, two touchdowns. Like i said, thrown from
0: Reed, right? Did, or did you already say that?
1: Yeah, one of them was thrown by Reed yeah. on in overtime. So um I still I still don't have all the faith in the world in Peyton Thorne because all day I was kind of bracing myself for him to make that one dumbass throw that results in an interception. Because we've seen at least one every game. Uh but hats off to him. Like he he played his best game of the year, especially the fourth quarter and overtime. Like he he stepped up when needed. He, he made smart decisions for the most part all day. And, you know, when the team needed a touchdown in the fourth quarter, they went out and got a touchdown. When the team needed touchdowns in in double overtime to win the game, he threw a really nice ball to Jaden Reed. So really nice day for Peyton Thorne. He's not free of criticism, um, but it it was a really nice day. And if he plays like that, then it's a different
0: team. So – yeah, I mean, 21-28, 265, average of 9.5 yards per pass, two TDs, and a QBR at 92.1. Right. Oops, those are good numbers. No picks, no fumbles. Like On the other side, you have Graham Mertz, fourteen twenty-four, 131, average of 5.5, two TDs, but an interception. Three, I think one
1: quarterbacks took three sacks, um, which some of them is like Michigan State's offensive line is horrible. I think one of them might have been – on Thorne, where he just kind of needs to get, a, get rid of it. but Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, I'm not – I'm actually a little bit excited to see how this team might progress if everybody gets back healthy. I'm not relying on everybody getting back healthy, but I like what I've seen from young players like Dylan Tatum. Uh, you know, uh, one thing I didn't touch on was that Mangum started against Ohio State but had to leave the game before halftime due to an injury – uh, I didn't see it because, like I said, I, I was driving at the time. I missed most of the second for, half for uh, the Michigan State Ohio State game. Or? Yeah, uh, Jaden Mangum got hurt. sounded like a head injury, and it took a while. I was yeah. at a, I was at a so that, that's a scary scene whenever that happens. But Dylan Tatum, the other uh, freshman safety, stepped in and played pretty nicely. He also had a dropped pick that was oh man, like it, it was at about the thirty yard line of Wisconsin. It was it was at a point in the game where Michigan State was ripping momentum from Wisconsin, and if he had come up with that interception, like it really
0: would have turned things around. That uh, weekend was not great for Southeast Michigan uh, football teams because there was an injury in the Michigan game with uh, Mike Hart having the seizure. Yeah. Michigan State game we just talked about, and then the Lions lose someone last weekend too. Probably I'm not, the, I'm not the person to ask. I'm not as big a, on the NFL, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So
1: um, mostly it was, it was good to see Michigan state have some, some grit, some resolve. It, I think it means a lot, even against a team like Wisconsin to just plant your foot in the ground and not continue to be driven back and not have another blowout loss and, there were some things going against them. Michigan State had a punt return for a touchdown called back on a terrible, terrible block in the back call. Uh, Michael Fletcher, one of their only healthy defensive ends was ejected in the second quarter for a questionable at best targeting call. I mean, every targeting call rarely do you see one where you're like, Oh yeah, Nope, that's targeting. Uh, But this one was a pretty bad one. And, um, Michigan State overcame both of those. So they, they were kind of playing on their their bare bones of defensive ends, so to speak. Because once again, Jeff Petrowski and Chris Bogle didn't play. Um, mostly once, once Fletcher was ejected, you saw like Zion Young, who's a true freshman, and Brandon Wright, who's a converted running back for the most part at defensive end.
0: Henderson only played one snap before being injured, right? Yeah, he came back. Oh, did he? Yeah.
1: Okay. So he, he made some good plays. Uh, he had a tackle for loss in the third quarter. Uh, but, yeah, no. So, yeah, he, he comes out. He makes a tackle. Actually, he missed a tackle, gets up, hurt. And he, he said in his post-game interview, somebody asked him, like, what were you thinking as, you know, you just got back and you get hurt on the first play? And he says – I was thinking, oh man, fuh. <laughs> and he kind of
0: like cut himself. <laughs> um, and also I think this game kind of keeps hopes alive for Michigan State making a bowl. It does. The next five games, they have three games on the road against ranked opponents, and then two at home against teams I would expect them to be favored. Yeah. So Rutgers and Indiana, you got to win. Um, I
1: I will not accept losses to either, especially of those teams. since they're at home.
0: Yeah. It's one thing getting at home
1: by- in November.
0: Um, you gotta and Indiana, Indiana can scare you when you have to go there, even yeah. when they're not good, but you should be always beat them at home. Yeah. Unless it's like the 2020 team. Right.
1: Where it was their one year of glory. <laughs> On <coughs> um, one time since like the
0: Eisenhower era. So that,
1: that'll get you to five wins, but you got to steal one. Um, we'll, we'll preview Michigan, Michigan state in depth, probably at Next a later week. point. Um, Illinois I, looks good. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be the Michigan game. Uh, I, if Mich if this Michigan State beat if this Michigan State team beats Michigan, the Jim Harbaugh has to retire. Like that's the rule. I don't make the rules.
0: <laughs> like I'm sorry, but if they go into no, Arbor, it's a favor. We- Michigan State has to beat someone this year. Like <laughs> it'll be like last year. Like yeah, you'll beat us, but we still like make it to the playoffs so and <laughs> win the Big Ten. Um, uh, uh, I actually, Penn I think hate- State looks kind of winnable. Like. Penn
1: State, it's always like they're never as good as they look at the beginning of the year, or they're never as bad as they look at the beginning of the year. <laughs> I, so I, I think Penn State might come back down to earth. If Michigan State's healthy, and I don't, I know Clifford left the game on Saturday. I don't know what the extent of his
0: injury is. If he comes back and you have to play them on the road, like Michigan State could win. Yeah. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't pick that right um you should get some penetration up the middle because their offensive line's not that good right um but on the flip side of michigan state's offensive line's <laughs> not that great and i <laughs> and i do like uh the front seven for uh yeah. penn state the
1: the indiana and penn state games to close the year those are
0: still over a month away so you know a lot of different things and then Rutgers too yeah um uh, Illinois, I actually hate the fact that Michigan. Well, I shouldn't say I hate it. I think it's a big challenge that they have to play them the year, the week before Ohio State. So oh, that's I forgot two tough yeah. games. I forgot Michigan plays Illinois this year. Yep, um, but
1: at, at least it's, it's in Ann Arbor, right?
0: I think so. I can look it up. Uh, You're—that's too far away for me to have. Them in. <laughs> I know we're going to Columbus. That's all I know. We're on to we're on to Cincinnati. If that's in, I if that's in Illinois. That's I think good. 2019
1: they played at Illinois, so I think this year they'll be at Michigan. I got it coming up right now. Let's, let's see. No, that's Michigan State again. Uh, yeah, so Michigan has Michigan State at Rutgers versus Nebraska versus Illinois and then at Ohio State. Oh, nice. Which that'll that'll be a good matchup of two of the top running backs in the Big Ten, uh, Brown for Illinois and Corum for Michigan. I think I think you take those two and you take Travion Henderson and Mo Ibrahim. That's yeah, and then Braylon Allen is kind of in there too. And I think those are the top five backs in the Big Ten. And I think Edwards is
0: like making some noise too, kind of like Quorum did last year. Yeah. I wouldn't like he doesn't he doesn't have the numbers yet, but like you can definitely see the he potential. Was, yeah, uh, like I said, somehow he had even better numbers than Quorum on Saturday. <laughs> And there's times where I'm like, is that a two or a seven? Because they remind me of each other when they're running down the field. So, yeah. So, like I said, it, it, it was a meaningful victory for Michigan
1: State to overcome some things. And just they they had not – it was the first time they ever even had a lead in a game since the Akron game ended. They wow. never led against Washington, never led against Minnesota, never led against Maryland, never led against Ohio State. Really the only game out of that four game stretch that was like ever interesting was the Maryland game, where Michigan State lost by fourteen and they missed two field goals and an extra point. Like they the defense was playing pretty well against young Tua against Maryland. Tua Jr.
0: That's right. What, that's what his name is now. I've Tua I've, a Two. Yeah. Tua part Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Didn't Michigan State lay an egg in the second half against Maryland, too? Yeah. They didn't score at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was close at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm encouraged by some things. Like,
1: I am. I'm not saying this team's going to win the rest of their games and go 8-4 and four, or, you know, like, this is a turning point. But this, this was a win that had meaning. You know, what happens the rest of the year, we'll see. But... This this opens up some doors for Michigan State to, like you said,
0: think about a bowl game now. Michigan State has some players, and that's why I'm happy. Like Michigan was already talking about Michigan State after the win on yeah. Penn State. And it sounds like they had the right attitude, despite a loss. I think they had the right attitude last year. I love like their demeanor during that game. Like they were, like it was a they game. cared. They yeah. cared. Um, it was a and damn good game. Those defensive tackles I like on Michigan State. I actually think Peyton's thorn isn't crap i think he can beat you especially with jaden reed out there uh catching balls he, he needs to play his best games. like henderson's also healthy so i don't think the secondary is total crap saturday
1: was peyton thorn's best game since the michigan game last year
0: okay like
1: yeah. and you, you might even say like oh what about the peach bowl like no he he was bad for three no he wasn't that bowl. was a
0: hard game to watch it
1: was <laughs> um, and, I it, like, the stats won't show it in the Michigan game last year. Like, if you look at the stats, you'll be like, oh, he didn't throw any touchdowns, and he threw two picks. And there like, was a lot just, of like, hurries
0: that could have been sacks.
1: Yeah, like, and when – once he got those two picks out of the way, those first two drives of the game, like, he was money. And he threw two two-point conversion uh, touchdown passes, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, so, like, yeah, that was the last time I was really, like, Peyton Thorne's the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Saturday was a nice. It was nice to see. Like, there there wasn't any point where I was like, "All right, time to start the Noah Kim chance." Because I was I was at the game with my brother, <laughs> so my voice is a little hoarse today. Um, yeah. If he plays like that, it's a much different Michigan State team. Because like I said, I was kind of waiting for the hammer to fall and him to make that backbreaking dumbass play, but it never came. Thankfully, uh, Michigan State they overcame some some injuries, some calls, some, you know, Wisconsin still has talent. Like a lot of people were picking them to win, but yeah, I think it's meaningful that Thorne had a good game and that uh, even if it is against Graham Mertz in Wisconsin, they, they allowed only 130 passing yards. I think that's absolutely huge. I don't, I don't even need to look at the stat book to know like if it's not their best uh, the lowest amount of yards they've allowed all year, it's the second. Lowest. Yeah, because,
0: yeah. Because
1: Akron at- was moving the ball against Michigan State. Well, <laughs> He yeah, just they, didn't score.
0: Yeah, because they have, uh, cool. what's his name? Uh, Joe Moorhead. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe if, if Michigan State gets Chris Bogle and Jeff Petrowski back, and like we see some more normal defensive formations, they could hang around in Ann Arbor, but we won't know that until game day because Mel Tucker doesn't like to talk about injuries. Yeah. They're sore. They'll be ready when they're ready.
0: If they don't, uh, if they can't stop Michigan from running outside or protect uh, Peyton Thorne, it can be a long time. Oh yeah. 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 Because that was a question mark coming into the season. I said like Michigan had a lot of young talent. Yeah. They're front seven or their. Defensive line, especially, has proven themselves worthy.
1: I don't feel the way I felt going into the twenty nineteen or twenty twenty games, and I know Michigan State won in twenty twenty, but like going into that game, I was not feeling good. I about made it. an
0: Oz reference about Bufu. Yeah,
1: so I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling that way, but I'm not feeling like Rich Homie Quan type of way when Michigan State would listen to Rich Homie Quan and beat teams by like twenty. Like, I feel like if. Going into the Michigan State, Ohio State game, I thought even if Ohio State has a bad day and Michigan State has a good day, Ohio State's gonna win by double digits. Going into Michigan, at least right now, just because like some people are coming back more healthy, and like with Ohio State, there's a mental block, but with Michigan, like this team, players on this team have beaten Michigan. If Michigan has a bad day and Michigan State has a great day, Michigan State can win. You know? Yeah. So you had no
0: hope in 2019? I had zero hope. I, I almost, I almost didn't watch the game. <laughs> um, but I think you still predicted Michigan State on the podcast to win. No, I, th- I think I predicted them to lose by 14. Oh, did you? Which I was just being generous.
1: <laughs> I think you were, you were on my old podcast, Beers for Radio, in 2018, and I picked Michigan State to win. But I didn't know Lurkey's left arm was broken in half against Penn State, <laughs> he was going to throw for 25 yards. Well,
0: I, despite they were seven and six that year, Michigan. Too. yeah. So that, they 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 had a good defense though. Their they had a great was, defense, it, second
1: best defense of the D'Antonio era behind 2013. They had a lot of injuries on offense, and they also had Dave Warner calling plays. But they had just beaten Penn State when it looked when Penn State was quote unquote a top ten team. So I was like. That, that was, like, before the Nebraska game last year was probably, like, the last MSU football game that I was, like, excited for, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I just remember it was, like, you almost... In 2018, you almost wanted Michigan State to shoot themselves in the foot on offense and then take advantage of it when you get the ball. And I kind of feel like Michigan's uh, staff felt that way, too. Yeah. it was a 21-7 game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean... If- we're we're almost out of time here, but if you watch the Ohio State Michigan State game from that year, it's a perfect summation of Michigan State's season. Cause it was seven to six and it was a punt fest. <laughs> Mark D'Antonio outsmarts himself because Ohio State was winning the field battle position, the field position battle. Like they intentionally take a safety on a punt. Michigan State did. So that makes it nine to six. I remember that. But then they punted the safety punt out of bounds, and Ohio State ends up with the same field position that they would have gotten anyways. And then later in the game, they had the ball at their own one. They hike it while a dude is like running to do a jet sweep, which Dave Warner was so famous for. And it bounces off of him, and an Ohio State player recovers it in the end zone. So they ended up losing 26 to six, but they spotted Ohio State nine points right there when it was seven to six. And that was Urban Myers last year, too, right? <sighs> yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't do that.
1: Anyways, uh, we're running out of time, but thank you guys for listening to the Paul Bunyan Podcast. As always, uh, the show is sponsored by Farbar. A new 2022 fall lookbook just dropped, so go to far-ebar.com to check that out. Thank you. We'll see you next week.